It's the most wonderful time of the year, and we are getting in the spirit. To celebrate the season, Seth and I are going to be covering exclusively Christmas films for the entire month of December, from classic carols to modern merriment and anything in between. Today, you better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why. 1994's The Santa Claus is coming to our podcast today. So grab your milk and cookies and settle in for our first Jingle Bell Watch as we ask the question, The Santa Claus, what's it about? I'm Ricardo Blake Diaz. And I'm Seth Crow, And this is the What's It About Film Podcast, a show where two aspiring creatives and to glean the meaning of it all through the media we consume, holding a mirror up to ourselves and seeing how it reflects in our own lives. Seth, how are you today? Uh, I'm good. I'm a little hoarse still. But... No, you're a person. Yes. <laughs> if I were a little horse, I'd be a pony, I guess. Yeah. I'm a little pony. He's a little pony. Uh, but uh, I'm I'm okay overall. Doing doing, you know, this week got some rest. You know, got some closure on some stuff. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. So we're here and we're in the spirit. We're in the spirit. It's not even. We're recording this on. Wednesday, uh, it's not even actually December yet for us. <laughs> but, well, it's it's Christmas every day for me at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it will be December by the time uh, by the time this uh, podcast comes out. So yeah, I mean, and I'm literally living in a winter wonderland with my new job. So mm-hmm. it's you know, world's largest Christmas light theme park. Oh my, the and world's I, largest. Supposedly, and it's uh, and I am the Mickey Mouse essentially of this theme park. Oh my God, you've I'm, always wanted to be Mickey Mouse. I'm uh, I'm I'm not I'm I'm Eddie the Elf. <laughs> so it was cool. I have to tell you, uh, I had one of the coolest like on the job moments I've ever had, and it, it was uh, so I was working the gate, you know, like being the greeter, mm-hmm. and it got really slow because it rained, and I was like, look. I mean, I'm the head elf, right? So I'm like, I'm going to do what I want. I'm also like the like the design of the character mm. is like very puckish. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I, I don't have to, I can do what I want. Yeah. You know? I so I was like. Yeah, this character's made for you. Yeah. <laughs> and go so ahead. since it was slow, I just took it upon myself. I was like, I'm going to go ice skating. And so I, I put on ice skates and got on the ice skating rink. At the park. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm just the skating elf on the ice, you know. Mm-hmm. But what was cool was there was this little Hispanic girl. She, uh, she like, didn't know how. She was, like, three, four years old. Mm-hmm. And her parents didn't know how to ice skate. And she wanted to learn how to ice skate really bad. And so I got to, like, take her on the ice and teach her to ice skate. Aww. And it, it was, like, a super cool moment. Because, like, I didn't, I don't speak much Spanish, but speak a little and so, like, we're just, like, we're going, uno, dos, uno, dos, you know, like, Aww. with the feet. Mm-hmm. And uh, her name was America. America. So, we were, so we were all chanting, America, America. <laughs> it was That's pretty great. That's super cute. It I love super, that. super cute. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I'm not having the same work experience you are. <laughs> <laughs> I went away for a week. And while I was away, I got like eight messages um, from yeah. my work, one of which being, hey, 
um, can you work this birthday party on Saturday? Uh, because the, 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 the family requested you. And I was like, well, yeah, but I'm already working all day Saturday plus setup plus two different parties on Sunday. So yeah. like, can someone help me out please <laughs> with something? Yeah. And I kid you not, Seth. So I got that, te- I got that message like right when I had left. So like early in my, my vacation, my break. Yeah. Nobody responded to it. Nobody Yeesh. responded to it. And I got really upset. Luckily, the owner of the store, my my boss, my boss boss, um, reached out to me and was like, hey, I'm freaking out because nobody is helping you. <laughs> um, so let me let me figure something out. Uh, although her solution was a little at first was a little bit frustrating, too. So her solution was, well, why don't we have the front desk person on Saturday teach your classes so you can have the early part of the day off and then you come in and do the birthday party and the setup. And I was like, okay, because I'm doing you guys a favor, I'm going to be losing out on six hours worth of work. You know, like I'm losing yeah. money now, you know, yeah. because, because I'm doing you a favor and like, that's not cool. Uh, yeah. And then luckily she, right away she came back. She's like, we'll pay you for those six hours. Oh, so, that's good. Yeah. But yeah. you know what I mean? It's gotten to the point where like now I'm, I'm, I'm help when I, when I offer to help or when I'm doing them a favor, I'm actually like literally, literally losing money. Yeah. I'm like, that's yeah. a bad place to be. And I'm really, really frustrated and annoyed about that. I, that was throughout my whole vacation. I'm getting these, these messages about, Ricky. and then as soon as I got back, I got two texts from, from my manager who was like, can you cover Tuesday? I got back Monday. Can you cover on Tuesday? Oh, and then yesterday, can you cover next Tuesday? I'm like, what the hell guys? Ricky, why don't you just take a, a note out of Molly's game, like a page out of Molly's game, and open up your own uh, child's play area? Well, call it like Ricky's Ricky's Roadhouse or Ricky's, Ricky's Roadhouse. <laughs> <laughs> what, are you going to be throwing down like Patrick Swayze? Ricky's uh, uh, Ricky. What? Well, it's got to have alliteration. That's that's all. That's like the rule. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, so technically. I signed a non-compete um, when I started working there, so I don't think I can I can open my own facility for a while after I after I leave. Well, I mean, all you need is like a room with like some blocks in it, right? And then you just charge that them sounds, forty dollars an hour. It was real sad, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> just find a room, put some blocks in it, and lock the children inside. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will not be doing that. Uh, but uh, you know, things are potentially moving forward in other parts of my life. So you never, you never really know how much longer I might actually be at this job. Cool. Still, probably good. a while, but you never know. Yeah. Um, but anyway, my Thanksgiving was good. It was there was some strange stuff going on. Uh, um, we, you know, we were expecting a pretty big Thanksgiving this year. It ended up being a, a smaller one than we expected. Um, yeah. For various reasons. Um, so it was a little strange not having not having certain people around, um, especially when you were expecting them to be there. And so, but you know what? It was overall a very calm Thanksgiving. Um, got to spend a lot of time with my brother. He was there the whole time, and we hung out That's quite good. a bit. That was really cool because I don't, yeah, I don't get to hang out with him as much. So that was really really cool. Uh, my family got sick. My family got a lot. Well, you had. I didn't get yeah. sick, luckily. But um, I think it was uh, like RSV. I think that's what yeah. I had. 
my both both my mom and my sister got sick um uh like the day after thanksgiving so it's kind of a bummer but you know they're they're feeling better now but you know for the for the weekend they were definitely down for the count and couldn't do as much of the fun stuff as as we would like but you know what it was a fun holiday um but it's nice to be back in the swing of things a little bit here. Speaking of uh, the swing of things, let's uh, talk about the movie that we're we're going to be yeah. watching today, um, the Santa Claus. So this was your pick, Seth. Nineteen ninety four is the Santa Claus. Uh, yes. Tim Allen, Tim Allen starring Vehicle. Um, why did you pick the Santa Claus? Uh, it's probably my favorite, if not my second favorite, Christmas movie of all time. I think. Oh really? Uh, What's your first? I mean. Maybe Home Alone oh, would be Home my Alone's first. So good. Yeah. So I, I uh, th- but this one I think is a lot of fun and it's just like, I never think to watch it. So it's like nice mm-hmm. to have an excuse to watch it. Like I think to watch Home Alone, like I watch Home Alone every year. Like it's like, mm-hmm. I will watch Home Alone every year. Santa Claus, I don't think to watch every year, but I love, I, I love it. So mm-hmm. I wanted to, uh, I, a chance to watch it and pick it apart. And I think, I mean, honestly, like, like jumping ahead slightly, like the themes are, are complex really. Like Mm. if you think about, I mean, they're, they're not complex in presentation, but like in philosophy, Mm -hmm. uh, they get a little, a little difficult to pick apart, I think, Mm -hmm. but we'll, we'll get into that. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, I, this has been one of my one of my favorite Christmas movies since I was a kid. Obviously, this movie came out when I was like three years old. Um, it, even though it it is for kids, it has a little bit of that adult humor. Like when you go back and watch, I mean, Tim Allen can't help himself. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so like, it does lean adult sometimes. Yeah. Uh, uh, I will say I've I've watched it a, a bunch. It's it. I would say it's maybe not one I watch every Christmas, but it's definitely one that I go back to around the holidays quite a bit. And at least in my household, like we used to have like the satellite and all that stuff, all those channels. And like during this time of year, this movie's on on some channel at some point, you know, you could find it if you really wanted to watch it. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I really like this movie. I don't, I think some of it doesn't quite work as well as I remember it. But I think, yeah, there are some things in here that when we when we are going to dive into them are going to be interesting because I don't think – I think the movie gives you an answer, but I don't necessarily think it, it – I agree in, in, some, in some aspects. Yeah, yeah. Judy. <laughs> yeah, there's that, but there's, uh, there's other things too. Um, yeah, Judy. <laughs> she's, look, she's, she's over 1,200 years old. Yeah. Yeah. But doesn't look like it. I'm seeing someone in rapping. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's get into the, how this film came to be uh, so we can get a little bit more context as to what's going on here. Uh, so uh, The Santa Claus was directed by John Pasquin. Uh, John Pasquin also directed Jungle to Jungle, Joe Somebody, and Miss Congeniality 2, Armed and Fabulous. Uh, and he also directed TV episodes of Texas, Alice, Family Ties, Growing Pains, New Heart, L.A. Law, Roseanne, Home Improvement, Buddies, Soul Man, George Lopez, Freddie, Rules of Engagement, Last Man Standing, and Christella. Um, so he is a quite an extensive 
uh, sitcom directing resume. That's not even everything. That's just a selected filmography of all the TV shows that he's worked on. Um, those are some of the ones he worked on the most. Um, but a lot of uh, stuff with Tim Allen, Jungle to Jungle, Joe Somebody, Home Improvement, Last Man Standing, a lot of work with Tim Allen. Um, John Passman's also. Jungle to Jungle. Yeah, Jungle to Jungle. I forgot about that movie. What a silly movie. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, uh, John Pasquin's actually married to Joe Beth Williams, who we know from our uh, viewing of The Big Chill. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Joe Beth, Joe Beth Williams played Karen in The Big Chill, um, gotcha. who's the woman who wanted to get pregnant. Um, gotcha. They're married. So that's fun. Um, this film was written by uh, the writing team of Leo Benvenuti and Steve Rudnick. Uh, Benvenuti and Rudnick as a team have written Space Jam, Kicking and Screaming, Are We There Yet, and Mayfly. So a lot of children's movies. Uh, they also wrote a few episodes of The Carol Burnett Show, The Dennis Miller Show, The Rosie and Buddy Show, The Jeff Garland Program, and were the creators of the sitcom Damon, um, which my dad loved. My dad loved Damon. We are big fans of hmm. Damon in our house. Hmm. Um, uh, so yeah, those are the the players. Now that the players are in place, let's get into the actual story of it all. So, well, 1994's The Santa Claus is seen as a holiday classic today. Its success didn't come quite as already gift-wrapped as you might think. With nearly 30 years worth of Christmas nostalgia backing it up, it might be hard to believe that this film was a huge risk at the time it was being made. Let's start off with the creative minds behind the film. Screenwriting duo Leo Benvenuto, sorry, Leo Benvenuti and Steve Rudnick. Leo and Steve met as two struggling comedians while taking classes with the comedy icon Josephine Forsberg at the Players Workshop in Second City in the late 70s. The two would eventually team up, creating their own variety show in the early 90s before taking small writing jobs on sitcoms. After a couple more years of toiling, Benvenuti and Rudnick had what they thought was a funny idea. What if somebody killed Santa Claus? This small idea inspired them to take a crack at writing their very first screenplay, the screenplay that would become the Santa Claus. However, the script, originally titled Arose Such a Clatter, had a much more adult tone than what we would eventually get. The screenwriting duo's first feature-length script was bought by Hollywood Pictures, a branch of the Walt Disney Studios, and with the film finding a home, it was time for a star to move in. Enter Tim Allen. Nowadays, Allen has become a household name, but back in the early 90s, the Detroit-based comedian was still building up his reputation, having only appeared in bit roles in films and self-released stand-up specials until 1991, when Allen finally broke through. With the premiere of the now-beloved sitcom Home Improvement, Alan's lovable goof Tim the Tool Man Taylor captured the hearts of at-home audiences. With this and only this under his belt, Disney decided to take a chance on the unproven box office potential of Alan and cast him in the lead role of Scott Calvin in this film over the likes of Tom Selleck, Tom Hanks, and Mel Gibson. With Alan slated for the starring role, the film was a go, but there was still one risk factor to consider, and that was the subject matter itself. At the time, films featuring Santa Claus had historically fared poorly at the box office, with no Santa Claus films having found success in over 40 years. The last one being the original Miracle on 34th Street, which was released in 1940. 
47. Risks are stacking up against this film like gifts under a Christmas tree. With unproven writers, an unproven star with a sketchy past, and a central figure with a bad box office history, this film would need its own miracle to succeed. But strangely enough, a miracle did happen. The Santa Claus premiered in theaters in early November of 1994 with approximately 200 sorry with approximately 22 million dollar budget. The film would go on to gross over 190 million dollars worldwide. The film's success would continue Allen's rise to stardom and spawn nearly a 500 million dollar franchise consisting of four feature films and freezing itself into the glacier of annual holiday must-watches for decades to come. A film with so much working against it somehow managed to make such a clatter with audiences everywhere. And to that, we say Merry Christmas to all and to all a fun film. It was the kid. The kid did it. Eric Lloyd? Yeah, that little kid is just like so cute. He's, like, he's so cute. He's so cute. He is and the so, And so like I think – and he and Tim Allen had good chemistry, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so something funny about the kid – uh, I, I still can't tell, even though I know this is true. So the teeth, his top teeth are fake because huh. right before shooting, he was playing and he fell and he hit his mouth on a rock and chipped his teeth in the front. So he's wearing fake teeth the whole movie. Huh. All he wants for Christmas is his, his two, two front, front teeth. teeth. Hey. hey, it all circles back. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. You know he heard those cute. jokes. You know he heard those jokes on that set. <laughs> everybody, everybody said I looked like that kid when I was little. I, I can see like, it. It's the haircut image. Yeah, yeah. You had the little bowl cut too. So that might have something to do with my like connection to the movie. Mm-hmm. Is like you I see, like you literally see yourself I, there. I see myself as in that kid, and like I, I think in terms of like ideas for Christmas movies. This is a super creative idea. Like this up there, like it's just a good concept, you know? Like it's a mm-hmm. really good concept. Maybe not the death of Santa Claus. Like I, if that's This movie's messy. Yeah. I'll say this. This movie's really messy in some in something. Like I said, we'll get into it when we talk but, about the movie movie. Um, but uh, this movie's a little messy. But the, the concept of like passing the torch – from one Santa to the other, I think is a really good idea. And like, and like also just like the comedy of becoming Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. That's, that's gold. Oh, and yeah. the way this, and the way this movie's structured, I think it's brilliant. You know, it's, it's very, has three very clear acts, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like each, it's like three small movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the only, the only thing that's lacking is like, I really wish there was more of like an event at the end, mm-hmm. you know, there's not, it's just kind of everything's resolved and it's like over, mm-hmm. you know, I wish there was like some sort of climactic action where Tim Allen has to like do something. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. know. Like it, it's just, he gets saved by the elves and, and then it's over, you know? Yeah. But, but the, but the elves, the elves, E-L-F-S, they're great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They are great. They're very cool. I want one of those jetpacks. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. But elves but I wish, with attitude. I, I wish there was like some sort of like, I don't know, something to do with Santa. No, I agree with you. Like, I, like I think what what this movie has in like charisma 
in a lot of ways, and like it's fun, yeah. and it's like a, the kid is really cute. Tim Allen plays the role really well, and it is funny. The like you said, the the process of him like turning into Santa, the physical, but also like the way he behaves is really entertaining. It's really fun. Like there's so much comedy yeah. to be me mind in this theme in this concept. The movie lacks in I think punch. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's very entertaining, but like it lacks oomph. Especially in its third act, you're right. Yeah. Where it's like Santa just is just sitting in a cell, and the elves get him out, and then he he goes and hugs people, and that's the and that's yeah. the end of the movie. Santa, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. so I love you, Santa. <laughs> I love you yeah. too, Charlie. And you know what I mean? It, it just it lacks it lacks a, a punch. It doesn't have a lot of. Ironically, this movie has very little claws. Yeah, as in like girl. Oh, girl. nice! I see. I yeah. see what you did there. Yeah, you know what I mean. It just doesn't have a, a, a yeah, a, a ferocity to it. Let's let Tim Allen have some of those flame throwers that the elves have, and let's have him. <laughs> but how? Burn down the mall, but burn down the police station. But what happens if I fall off a roof? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. so concerned because that's what happened to the last Santa. <laughs> so funny. I mean, it's like you know, it's a reasonable fear. Well, yeah, he's on roofs. a lot of roofs. Exactly. Yeah, on a lot of. They're slick. They're steeply it's angled. Snow. Yep. Yep. All he did was say "Hey," and the guy died. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, but yeah, interesting that this movie, like, because, like I said, you wouldn't think about it with with thirty years of hindsight. This movie seems like a no brainer, right? Like Tim yeah. Allen is like children's movie gold. He has been for since this movie. Um, yeah. You know, Santa Claus, you know, nowadays we think Santa Claus and obviously bankable, bankable figure. Not at that time. And again, uh, Ben Venuti and Rudnick, Space Jam, you know, yeah. and uh, lots of amazing sitcoms under their belt. Um, yeah, it's it, you wouldn't you wouldn't think that this movie was as much of a risk as it was at that time. Cause it just yeah. seems like it makes sense. Right. Well, I mean, Tim Allen was Tim Allen, the Tim, the tool man, Taylor, mm-hmm. and that's all, you know? And, and that sitcom was very niche. Like it was popular, but it was a blue collar sitcom, you know, yeah. all, like of, his, all watch, of his sitcoms are. Yeah, that's what he like, is. Like, like nobody watching Seinfeld, is going to want to watch home. Improvement. I mean, maybe, I mean, I guess my parents were home improvement like, was like, yeah, a, m- a more, a more blue collar fam, uh, full house. Yeah. 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 And I mean, they, I, they definitely hit those Tim, the tool man, Taylor notes in this well, movie. Hard. Oh, 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 yeah. Like, like, and that's, you know, and that's why I always keep a high powered fire extinguisher in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like, and then he's like, picks up the tool belt and puts and like, looks yeah. at it. Like, there's just so many moments that are like clear references to like, Hey, remember I'm Tim, the tool man, Taylor, you know, mm-hmm. like, cause I, I think they were relying on that. Right. You know? And- what? So, so again, uh, this is one of Tim Allen's most iconic characters. Like y- you put Scott Calvin slash Santa Claus up there with like Buzz Lightyear. Tim the Toolman Taylor. Like when you think Tim yeah. Allen, some of those are some of the movies you think of first and some of the roles you think of for him first. To the point where they did when they did that new Buzz Lightyear movie and they didn't cast Tim Allen as Buzz yeah. Lightyear. People what got a little doing? bit miffed. 
you know, Chris yeah. Chris Evans was was the new Buzz Lightyear. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's interesting. Tom Selleck in this role. I don't see it necessarily. Yeah, that's weird. I mean that. I mean this is perfect casting. You know, I like, I could see Tom Hanks doing this role really well though. Tom Hanks. Yeah. Had, we talked. Yeah. I mean, we've done a lot of Tom Hanks movies and how he has such a a America's Dad type type vibe to him. Yeah, but we saw him in this role playing Santa Claus and playing this dad character. I don't know if he can necessarily do the like really asshole stuff that like Tim Allen does early on. Well, Tim Allen plays a good asshole. That's the thing is like young Tom Hanks, like really young Tom Hanks, like Tom Hanks with the burbs mm-hmm. and things like that could have pulled this off. Uh, but I think as Tom Hanks got older, like post Forrest Gump, like mm-hmm. it's just I don't think we see him as an asshole anymore. Mm hmm. You know, and I think that's what was perfect about this role for Tim Allen was we still we still see him as an asshole, you know, like we still see him as kind of a swarmy guy because he's kind of he kind of is that on on uh, home improvement still. Mm -hmm. You know, he's like the he's the bad boy father, you know, like he's the father that he's the father that still gets in trouble, you Mm -hmm. know, so I think it works. Because we got to see, actually, this is the revelation of Tim Allen's good side. You know, Mm -hmm. like, this is, like, him leaning into the Santa side of things for the first time in it. And that's what we see that works. Mm -hmm. You know, like, we already accept Tim Allen as the comedy jerk guy. Mm -hmm. What we didn't know was that he was capable of pulling off this positive, wholesome character that eventually led to Buzz Lightyear, I guess. Mm -hmm. And and I mean and lots of other characters that he's done. He does. He's done a lot of family films. Yeah. Um, but he does play yeah. this like, you know, especially early on, he, he plays the guy, the asshole that becomes a good person. I mean, he has to like, yeah. learn how to be a good person. That's like his. It's thing. like Bill Murray could have played that part. Well, guess what's funny is this movie was originally written for Bill Murray in mind. I mean, yeah, but you don't see. I don't see Bill Murray as Santa Claus. Santa again. Claus. Yeah, and, and Bill Murray turned this down because A, he he didn't want to do another Christmas movie after Scrooged. Yeah. Um yeah. and and he didn't think the movie was quite his his brand of humor. The early half of the movie, yes. I could definitely see yeah. Bill Murray doing that the early half. You're right. I don't see Bill Murray as a Santa Claus. And maybe again, yeah. maybe that's like hindsight, you know. Of like yeah. thirty years worth of stories about Bill Murray and things like that, um, and him not being very nice to children, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, yeah, you so gotta like know. kids to be Santa. You gotta then, like kids. When so when Bill Murray turned this movie down, guess who they went to next? This is so funny. Who's that? Chevy Chase. Yeesh. Yeesh. <laughs> and uh, you know. Uh, Chevy Chase obviously already had one big Christmas movie under his belt, you know, to yeah. actually think at this time, if you count both of those movies, uh, I think, yeah, I think it's gotta be, you know, to play Santa, you have to have that like dad spirit. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't think, I don't see those guys as like, act like real dads, you know, I see them as like screw up dads, you know, Chevy mm-hmm. Chase, like see as a screw up dad. I don't know but, if we've ever seen Bill Murray as a dad in any movie. I mean, the dude I is not. Not that I think of. 
I can't think of any movie where he's a dad. Actually, now that I'm really yeah. like person through it. Yeah, that's I mean, he's weird. Not, doesn't seem like very good father material to me. <laughs> Just um, saying. Um, that's strange. I never realized realized that that Bill Murray's never played any dads. Huh. I mean, you could so Ghostbusters would be maybe the closest thing because there is a baby and he's like a stepfather sort of. Yeah. But that's it. I mean, yeah, that's all I, I can think of. Yeah, I, I re- that's ah, wow. I've never actually thought about that. Huh. Interesting. Um, and yeah, Chevy Chase. Um, but yeah, Tim Allen. And it's funny, Tim Allen's the only one out of those guys who has a record. Yeah, he has a record. You didn't know this? No. Tim Allen went to prison for uh, possession of cocaine in the 70s. Oh, yeah, I do know this. Yeah, I have heard this. Yeah, yeah. shit ton of cocaine that he was trafficking. He got arrested. He got sentenced yeah, to... Yeah, but that's how he got ahead, right? Like, I think that's how he, like, established himself. Well, he to went not... to prison for two years. Yeah. And then when he came <laughs> back, he, like, hit the scene hard uh, and started making a really making a name for himself in the late 70s. Yeah. Um, early huh. 80s. Um, Interesting. The, I mean, the way he got out of prison, well, uh, he avoided a life sentence because he had so much cocaine on him. Uh, but he ratted out all, like the whole. Oh the whole no! Operation. Yeah, he's a ten hours a rat. <laughs> wow! So, but now he's he's everybody's favorite dad, everybody's favorite Republican dad. <laughs> Is so he Republican? Republican? Very, very. Oh wow! I, I did I did not know that. Uh, extremely. Um, I mean, if you watched Last Man Standing, which is like his most recent show, um, super right wing, um, very conservative uh, values. My parents love that show. Weird. Yeah. Weird. Weird indeed. But, you know, with all that history out of the way and giving everybody a little bit more context as to certain elements of the movie, uh, let's uh, talk about the snow, you know, the snow. (laughs) At the North Pole. <laughs> yeah, we talked about all the snow. That's why you didn't know this, but the Santa Claus had a lot of snow in it because <laughs> they were referencing the fact that Tim Allen went to prison for cocaine, home possession of cocaine with with intent uh, to sell. And that's actually it. that's actually why Tim Allen took the role. Is because like, there's gonna be snow? <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second, there's gonna be snow. It's like oh. the North the North the North Pole was code. For all the cocaine that was going to be on set. And he was like, can't turn this down. <laughs> you know, it's funny because they use a bunch of different things like for all the snow in the movie. They used – a lot of the times that they, in, in Hollywood, they'll use like potato – like uh, instant potato flakes as snow. They'll use like different like paper products as snow. Um, and you actually see this at one point in the movie. They'll use snow – what are called snow blankets. It's basically just like cotton blankets. Yeah. Uh, when uh, Santa Claus falls off the roof, you see his boot kick one of those blankets up and you see it like fold over. Oh, wow. <laughs> Very clearly. But, you know, you don't think what? about that when where you're does, a kid. Where does, is this Chicago? It's supposed to be set in Chicago. It's not where they actually shot, though. Yeah, I didn't think so. I was like, it says Lakeside Police Officers. And I was like, okay. But then I'm like, but it doesn't look like anywhere in Chicago I've seen. It is. So, so yeah, it, it's meant to take place like in and around Chicago, like the, some of the burbs. I think especially the, like the north suburbs, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Because um, like Lakeside, yeah, and stuff like that. Um, but they shot in Toronto. 
Okay, that makes sense. So it makes sense why, because you know, me, me, you, I said the same thing when I was watching it. It's like it is supposed to be somewhere around Chicago, but it, nothing looks like Chicago. Even in the '90s, it doesn't look like Chicago. Yeah, um, no. it's because they were shooting in Toronto. Gotcha. Yep. Gotcha. But uh, now that we have again have some of that history out of the way, um, our own history with the movie. Uh, before we talk about what it's about, we got to talk about what it is. So, Seth, you know what time it is. Let's flog. Log. Right. It's time to flog the log. I got the log line here for this film. Seth is going to score it. I'm going to see if we can keep my average above that eight, which is so precariously uh, hovering over. So here we go. This is the log line for the Santa Claus. Popo Shisha. Popo Cinder claps. <laughs> when Scott Calvin accidentally kills Santa Claus and dons the suit, due to a contractual provision, he is forced to become the new Santa Claus, whether he wants to or not. Ten. Ten! Yes. Merry Christmas, Ricky. Yay! The holiday is happening early. Yeah, you got it. I think, yeah. The only, so read it one more time. Okay. When Scott Calvin accidentally kills Santa Claus and dons the suit due to a contractual provision, he is forced to become the new Santa Claus, whether he wants to or not. I mean, I'm not going to get, I'm, I'm, the 10, the 10 will stand. No, the no, no. If you want to, you want to deduct, no, you can't. no. No, I'm not deducting. I just think it's the only the, the beginning of it can be is a little clunky. Uh, I think you've got. I think you've said exactly what you need to say, but I think you can say it a little more, a little smoother. Ah, uh, fair enough. But I'm fair giving enough. you the ten because okay. I think if I read it, I would go see this movie. Yes. All right, that brings my average up to a healthy eight point two. Woo. 8.21. Yes. Take it. Sweet. I'll take the 10. I'll take the 10. I'm not going to push it. All right. So, Seth, this is your film. So, it's time to ask the titular question. If you would like to uh, take it away whenever you're ready. Ricardo Blade Diaz. No, wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> Reset. Oh, oh, oh. Ricardo Blade Diaz. Yeah. The Santa Claus. Uh, What's it about? <laughs> Thanks, Santa. Um, <laughs> Cinderpa. <laughs> uh, Topo Gijo. That's like the most memorable line. Like that that scene in him saying Santa Claus will forever be in burnt like Crink. like burned into my brain. <laughs> The other line that I never forget is Veronica. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So what is this movie about? What is this movie about? Um, so honestly, I think there's a very clear theme here. I mean, it's a children's movie. We talked about this with some of our children's movies that we've done. Um, they, they, Their themes and their messages tend to be way more opaque yeah 
just because you know kids needed to be maybe just a little bit more spelled out to them sometimes. Um, and so I think what it boils down to, I mean, well, I'll talk about some other things I'm getting from it, but I, for me, very clearly, it's it's. Do you believe in magic? Like, like it's like you know the n- keeping your child, your inner child alive. Like, there's some bitter adults in this movie. Like the the mom and, oh, yeah. and her stepdad, so freaking bitter. Neil sucks. Neil does suck. When I was younger, I was like, Neil's getting a bad a bad rap here. Um, you know, I was like, he doesn't seem that bad. But like watching it now, like Neil is an a hole. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's almost like cool. strangely, like Neil almost is makes this movie like anti psychology. A little you know? bit, like yeah, because it's like he's a psychologist and he's such a jerk. It's almost like, it's like, why are you paying this guy money to tell oh, this, you? This movie is absolutely anti-therapy. Like, yeah. cause Jim Allen's constantly like dunking on him for being a therapist. Yeah. 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 Like, you know, you know, he, he actually listens to me. Yeah. And then he charges you for it. Like this movie is very anti-therapy. Yeah. 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 Um, but it was, the, it was like late nineties, right? Still early nine, oh, mid nineties, 94. Like, so, I mean, therapy definitely had like a like Bad mental health like was still There's a stigma. Not, There's a stigma. Yeah. 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 I still have that stigma. I mean, I've talked about it on the show before how I have a, 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 an aversion to seeing myself in therapy, which is yeah. something I'm trying to get over. Um, but, you know, I, you I still have digital, that stigma. Try the digital that's versions. Ex- that's exactly what I've been thinking about doing It's like trying something like BetterHelp or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, um, but even then it's still, there's still, there's still a, a, a hang up in me, you know, it's, I'm trying to work and get over, you know, but gotta do it. yeah. And so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Neil sucks. There's some bitter, bitter adults in this movie. So, so I want to ask you this question. Cause like, I, I don't remember exactly. So Charlie's supposed to be about like eight ish. Is that too old to believe in Santa? You're asking the wrong guy. Why? I believed in Santa Claus until I was 13 years old. See, I believed in Santa until I was 11. So I was actually that's my that was my question. I was like I was like they're saying he's I a think, little old and I was like I was I like think, really? I think most kids figure it out about second grade. Really? So I was yeah. I was like fourth grade or so, fourth yeah. or fifth grade. Yeah. I was almost in high school. But you know, but like it, it, it's, there's a difference between figuring it out and being explicitly told. Yeah, there is. I was explicitly told. And well, yeah, but you were 13, though. There's a difference. <laughs> Wait, what do you what do you mean? Like, I don't understand what you're implying. What, what I'm saying is 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 do you do you think you were too old, or do you think it should have gone on? I was way too old. I was way okay. too old. Yeah. I mean, I was literally an eighth grader before okay. I discovered that Santa Claus was not real. Okay. And this is, we're, we're getting this to this too quickly because this is getting into like pers- personal stuff. <laughs> okay. Right well, I was, I was curious. I was just like, for me, I was like, he's eight years old. I don't think that's too old. Yeah. Eight. I mean, I think that's, that's about the time most people figure it out. I remember that's the first time someone told me when I was in second grade, someone said Santa wasn't real. And I went to the death to defend Santa Claus. Mm. Uh, but I still believed, you know. Mm-hmm. 
I, I, I maybe I'm maybe it's because I work with kids, and so maybe I'm a little bit biased. It's like like protecting the inner child type thing. Um, yeah. So, and maybe I'm being overprotective. I just think I don't. You know, for me, like 10, 11 feels pretty normal. Like to, because like once you don't believe anymore, it's gone. You know, like, yeah. like so, like wh- what's wrong with letting it go on a little bit longer than than maybe maybe it should. Uh, I don't think I don't think there's anything wrong with letting it go longer than second grade. Like like I think I think second grade's young, and mm. I think, but I think that's when kids start talking. You know. Yeah. So it's like at that point, it's more up to the kid to like want to believe. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I do think there's a point, probably about fifth or sixth grade, where the kid's probably too old to to be still living in this delusion because reality is so far past him at that point that it's probably not doing him real life favors to continue to believe that long. I don't know, man. I think that's what this movie kind of posits though. Right. That's like, for me, it's like, is it okay to believe in magic at least in some capacity? Um, And that's what this movie kind of like really gets into. I mean, the very first thing is like, you know, Tim Allen finds out, uh, Scott Calvin finds out that um, Charlie doesn't believe in Santa anymore because of what Neil and his mom told him. Um, and he's like, well, if we're going to destroy our son's childhood, I think I should be a part of it. Right. Like, yeah. like yeah. he, there's, you know, he's a toy maker and he, though he's kind of doesn't really believe he believes in believing if that makes sense. Yeah. Like he he's believes a, in the sentiment of it. He believes yeah. in, in that kids should be kids. And mm-hmm. part of being a kid is believing in Santa Claus. Mm hmm. And and he himself, the character is super duper immature. Um, yeah, like yeah. that's the whole thing is that he is. A, I wonder, and you can. I would love to hear your thoughts. Do you think he likes being a dad, or wants to wanted to be a dad? Because it does not seem like he wanted. To no, be a dad. I mean, I think he loves his son. Well, but yeah, he doesn't want to be a dad. Exactly. So. That's what. That's why. Of course, he loves his son. That's clear. But I, it's to me, it's also clear that he does not want to be a father. Like. He yeah, couldn't, no. you know, he wouldn't give his son up for the world, but he doesn't want to be a, the role of dad. Yeah. I mean, that's probably why they got divorced, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they never he, get he into any of that, but. Yeah. I mean, like, he probably couldn't get his shit together to be a dad. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like he's, su- like, you're supposed to, you know, like, be there, mm-hmm. you know, and he probably was working all the time and enjoyed the social elements of of the job and, you know, focus more on his career. And then she's left at home taking care of the kid and he's going out to a work party, you mm-hmm. know? And in the beginning of the movie, Charlie does not seem very fond of him. You know, he's like, no. won't even, doesn't even want to spend one night with him. One night, no, not even like, a whole day, just a night. He doesn't really know his dad. Yeah. You know, he's just like, gotta, gotta be around him. And, mm-hmm. uh, Neil's, more of a dad to mm-hmm. him, and sure. and we don't grow to hate Neil until later. Because <laughs> at first you're like you're like Scott's being really mean to somebody for no reason, and then and then there's a reason because <laughs> Neil is insufferable. Yeah. Um, 
like so like there this movie is all like about like is there a virtue in like believing in magic a little at least a little bit um yeah yeah and i and and as artists and as people who play pretend uh try to to get paid for playing pretend yeah i mean there is a virtue in 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 not completely shutting out that child wonder from the world um but this movie's tough this movie's tough because it punishes scott for the truth right so like the whole thing is like and there's a really nice line here that judy gives um when she when scott's in the north pole he's like look i see i see what i'm seeing and i don't deny i'm seeing yeah. what i'm seeing but i still don't believe what i'm seeing and yeah. she she delivers i think what's like the crux of this movie and it's like well first thing she says is like most adults can't believe in magic it just sort of grows out of them right and that's like right. obviously very true um eventually as we get older that like ability to believe in like the silly the whimsical the fanciful, the magic of the world. It, it, reality hits us and says that stuff. That's ridiculous for you to, to believe in that stuff. Um, yeah. And so we let go of it, you know, because like you said, it doesn't serve us to hold on to it. Um, yeah. And then the next thing she says is, "Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing." Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's like the whole crux of this movie is like a little bit of faith, a little bit of belief, um, and that like. You know, again, Scott is trying to tie. <laughs> uh, there's a cat in the in the in the room. Hi. She wants to type on my. <laughs> she's trying to type on my computer. Funny. Um, so again, uh, to to get to my point that I've been struggling to get to, um, the world can't accept the fact that that this thing might be true. That this yeah. thing that says LeBoy is saying and something that. We're seeing clear signs of, you know, like people are just will just rationalize away any kind of magic that they might see, you know, and 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 it gets put into a box of mental illness. Yeah. Um, Which is really dark in a lot of ways of like rather than actually get to the core of what's going on, people would just rather be like, oh, he's crazy. And. Yeah, and I'm actually fascinated with this concept in general uh, because I don't think it has to be mutually exclusive. Right, that's what – I think that's what I – I think the movie lands on believe in magic, you know? Like it's good for you, you know? It keeps you alive. It keeps you – keeps the spirit in you young and, you know, this and that. You know what I mean? Like the movie definitely is like keep believing in magic type, type yeah. thing, which is very much like a kid's movie message. Keep believing yeah. in magic. Um, very Peter Pan. Yeah. Um, but as an adult, the, what what do you come away with? Is this like, don't completely shut yourself away from magic. But like, like you said, it doesn't really serve you in, in other than in very specific ways. Yeah. yeah. Very specific ways. And I think we see, I think the movie does a good job of showing what ways but it doesn't really – that's not what the movie is really about. So like, again, Neil and 
Charlie's mom, who I'm blanking on the character's name right now. Laura. Laura, thank you. So Laura and Neil, really, really bitter people. Very bitter. Very jaded human beings. They're they're so grown up. They're yeah. so grown up. Especially Neil. But like yeah. they're just yeah, they're just so and it's it's frustrating how like unwilling to like just like let your kid be a kid. Like they're like trying to logic all wonder out of him and it pisses me off. Yeah. It makes me very angry and sad. Especially that scene where where uh, Neil's talking to, to Charlie and he's like, well, let's think about this logically, Charlie. How does Santa get all the way around the world? And uh, how does Santa do this? And how does Santa do that? And what about the reindeer? And like, like, what are you doing, man? Yeah. yeah. Why are you doing this to this child? He'll get there eventually. He's not going to be an adult and believe in Santa Claus. Like, like uh, that does not happen. You know, it it could have. It could have. <laughs> But you know, I guess there are some people that, but you know what I mean? Like most people get there when they get there. But yeah. the, I guess the difference in this movie is he's telling the truth. Like if, if this movie was like he – like honestly, if this movie was even darker and it's like he thinks that this is real and none of it is actually real, then yeah. there's something to be said. But the problem with this movie is that he's right. He's seen it. And people are telling him he's crazy, even though he's telling the truth. And that's where this movie kind of like gets hung up for me a little bit. Is like they're trying to like commit this kid and commit yeah. Scott Calvin when they're telling the truth. They're so unwilling to believe anything fantastical might be happening that they're willing to just like ruin two people's lives. Yeah. And so like yeah. that's what this why this movie frustrates me because like if we look at it in a real world context, of course, like a lot of this would be super unhealthy. Yeah. A lot of these delusions. But in this context of this movie, it's not. You know? Magic's and it's real. Right. Right. It's tough. It's tough. I, I don't know. Where do you fall on this? Like, I'm, I struggle. Because, again, like I said, in the real world. I think, I think you're, you're – I don't disagree that you're attacking it from this angle. Mm-hmm. Because it's there. Um, but I think it is paradoxical. So it's really hard to – come away with a like a, a a full picture of a of a theme or a meaning mm-hmm. coming at it from this angle because it's like i mean it's it is as complex as believing in god and that's what i was kind of like talking about uh at the beginning like this is a very com- th- this theme in this movie is very complex because it's if you boil it down it's it's saying okay is God real? And if he's not, it's almost just better to try to believe in him than to not believe at all. Like, mm-hmm. so like that, that is to me the end theme of the angle you're taking on this movie is like, is there any point in believing in something beyond ourselves? Right. And, and even though it's not real, which is the real world perspective on this, it is better to try to believe you're going to get more out of life. You're going to be able to experience the magic longer if you do. Mm. Now, I don't think that is, I think there is another layer of theme in this movie that actually is, I think, more grounded 
mm-hmm. um, and maybe it's actually it actually can inform the greater theme. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do agree with you that what Judy says is the crux of the movie, but it's a really complicated. No, it's very uh, complicated. Yeah, yeah, because like this is like as a like as someone who grew up Christian wants to be a Christian, like this is this is the problem, right? Like believing is seeing, not seeing is believing is this, you just have to know. And that's just saying that is a mind, like just like blows your mind. Right. Like, like I, like, I just want to know, but that doesn't mean I do. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, it's just like the, the expectation that you can have no doubt despite not knowing is a huge, uh, leap of faith ask it's yeah it's a huge leap of faith and it's like it's not i don't even think it has anything because like the we're getting into really complicated like language dissection here like what does even mean to believe Mm -hmm. you know and that's always been like something that i've struggled with it's like i want to believe but does that mean i believe Mm -hmm. is the want of belief the basis of belief is that the faith like the basis of faith and then how do you like make it grow into just knowing without knowing like it's it's so hard to pick apart for sure but the the thing that i pull from this the most like that's there but it's so existential that i don't know if it helps that's us. what i was saying too like when i was like there's there's one thing that i think the movie is absolutely 100% about you know what i mean there's the, and that's yeah. what i was saying and then yeah. there's something that i personally am thinking about more so you know what I mean? That I was, I, as myself was getting. For me, this is how this movie, like, I think the, the, the important theme, the theme that we can latch onto is like, how does change occur in a person? Mm. Right. So we go from Tim Allen being this like neglectful father, who's kind of an asshole and very self-serving and a liar to him being a really, really good dad by the end of it. And what happens? Well, I I might push back on that a little bit. And we'll talk about it in a second, I'm sure. But like there's something uh, there's something that, that he does that I think is really irresponsible and I, I it almost unforgivable in my opinion. But uh okay. I, I'm just saying like he's there when Charlie needs him. He's a present dad. And he's yeah. he's 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 I would say he's a better dad. There's, again, yeah. there's something that he does that I think is pretty... He definitely grows as a person from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And it's like what... I think that's the... I think that's the thing we can latch on to is like... Is what... How does how does change occur in a human being? And I think we've talked about some of this before on here. And... Uh, yeah, about you, gr- growth only happens when you're forced to grow, right? Yeah. When you're when you're comfortable, there's no reason to grow. There's no reason. Yeah. But like, and and I, I had somebody. I said that to somebody once, and they gave me a little bit of pushback. And I was like, I was like, I think evolutionarily, that's but make that makes sense though. Like, to, <laughs> in order to grow, in order to change and adapt, takes resources and energy. And evolutionarily speaking. You should not spend energy and resources if you don't have to, right? Yeah. Like you only like you don't just spend you don't just burn calories to 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 do something you don't need to because you're going to need those calories to survive. Like yeah. when you when you do things you don't have to, you use up your resources and you die. 
Like, like, and, so like evolutionary speaking, it makes sense that people don't change unless they are, unless outside forces force them to. Like that's just yeah. how 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 survival and some, works. And I like to build on that. Like sometimes growth doesn't look like you think it does. You know, mm-hmm. like sometimes growing is actually getting in touch with things you've left behind. Right. Like he, like he is such a grown up in the beginning of the film. And it's not until he like takes on childlike views that he's able to relate to his son and actually care about his son. But also like, doesn't just take on like childlike views are forced upon him. Like this is something I really like about this movie. Like this is one aspect that I love about this movie. The realization of Christmas as as a as a fantastical magical entity yeah um is so childlike in that it's not your traditional presentation it is right. but it isn't like the Ro- rose such a gladder company yeah 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 it's such a funny child way of cuz that's what charlie says like what's a yeah, yeah. what's a rose such a gladder and it's like no 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 a rose such a clatter and it's like but no there is a rose such a gladder company yeah. And then, like, the North Pole, you know, it's an actual pole. It's, like, a very childlike way of looking at Christmas. Yeah. And then the uh, the naughty and nice list, right? Instead of writing naughty or nice or, like, a check mark or an X, it's, like, yeah. oh, you put you put a P or a C. And, like, only a kid would, uh, would be, like, yeah, presents are cool. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. such a silly, whimsical way of imagining yeah. Christmas. It, yeah. And that's, like, the core of it, right, is, like – getting in touch with that spirit that is in all of us. It literally smacks them in the face. Yeah. But the, but the world says we're not allowed to have it, Mm -hmm. you know? And like, to me, so like when I like think about this on that existential scale, like that spirit, that childlike spirit, that to me is God. Like that is God act like, expressing himself through us it's our that kid thing is the connection to the greater entity Mm -hmm. and i think that's really how we are supposed to move through the world but society says that doesn't work and so i mean that's a you know that's a whole can of worms well yeah i think i mean i think society does what neil does it's like well what about well, what about this? Well, what about that? Well, what about this? And I think what this movie does really, really well, or that I think I like about this movie, is that Tim Allen, when he's reading, when he's reading, uh, "Twas the Night Before Christmas" for Charlie, and Charlie's Charlie's doing what Neil does later, and is like is interrogating the that concept, yeah. right? And at one point, Tim Allen, I think, but just kind of like shut Charlie up, was like, "Look, like." Santa rides uses flying reindeer because that's how like, that's what he has to do. That's how he has to get around. It just is what yeah. it is. And I think what's really cool about this movie is this movie because like wh- that's what people do whenever you watch any Santa movie is like, well, how does how did he get around the world in one night? And how you know yeah. who does he visit and who doesn't he? Why don't parents realize that there are gifts that they didn't give under the tree? And like you know, like people whenever they watch any Santa movie, interrogate it like that with logic of like this is all why all these reasons it doesn't work. Yeah. And that's logical and it makes sense. I think this, what this movie does so well is just like, it just, any, any, it's not the way you think that it's accomplished, but it just, yeah. does, but it just does. 
You know, yeah. they don't have a chimney. A chimney appears. You know, he how does yeah. he fit down the chimney? He just he just does. How does he get from you know around the world in one night? He just does. It's Tinsel. Just, it's just, yeah, not just for decoration. Yeah, I, I think I like this movie because it's just like a, any any logical question that anybody might have about how Santa does what he does. It's just like he just does. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> but That's like, it. sorry. So again, what do we know really as people? Mm-hmm. You know, like they say, they start, say the more that you think you know, the less you actually. Know. Yeah, we don't know. I mean, we have ideas. We have like, you know, within the rules and structures that we have created for ourselves, we have come to conclusions based off those rules and structures. But like, the truth is, is there's so much we don't know that those could be proved wrong tomorrow. Mm. You know, all it takes is some aliens to show up with better technology and just be like, Hey, yeah, you got this wrong, you know, or like, or maybe there's like, but they're, mil- they, who knows how much they know. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, uh, I might use a abstract metaphor here. What um, you? Yeah. Uh, like this is maybe, I don't know. This might be weird, but so like, I have this, like my brain in my dreams and in kind of like my subconscious thought has used the crucifix as a window pane. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, whenever I see it, it's like a window. It looks like Mm -hmm. a window. Mm -hmm. And what I've figured out is like, it's almost like that this crucifix is holding back all the things I don't know for my own sake. Mm-hmm. It's like keeping this window. It's like this grace window that like, if, if the window shattered, I would just be like screwed because well, there's so much I can't process. Well, right? you know, uh, by the transitive property, knowledge is power and power corrupts. Yeah. So yeah. The more, you know, the more yeah. you're corrupted, right? Yeah. So I mean, I mean, you could go back to the biblical idea of that with like the Adam and Eve, with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, right? It's they didn't realize what they didn't know until Eve yeah. and Adam ate the apple, and then they knew, and they were immediately corrupted. And right? Before I, what they knew exactly, and I, I think that's kind of with magic and things like that. I think there's so much. Like I think science is real, and the fact that it is. Like I, I stand by this old saying, it's that science is not disproving faith. It is showing how things are done, right? Like it's not, like you, you can't, I don't believe you can disprove God with science. Right. I well, think science like, is just. Science is, is magic in action. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the, it's just how it works. It's know? called magic when you don't know how it's done. Right? Exactly. You know, when you can't exactly. understand it, it's magic. But as soon as you yeah. break it down, it's science. Yeah. And so it's like it's defined magic. It's right. the so I, I just think like I think kids are definitely connected to something magical. And uh and we definitely try to like shove that away because society says that, that doesn't that's not efficient. You know, but like growth as a person, if we're trying to grow as people, 
you can't grow. You can't grow if you're unwilling to be open to new things, you know, and that's what and, like, well, being open to not understanding. Yeah. 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 I think yeah. that's how like an adult can, can get more out of this movie is less of the concrete and more of the, if the, if these adults would have been just open to what, what was going on, they could have seen these things. Even Scott Calvin himself, he rejects the fact that he's Santa for a long time in yeah. this movie. And I wanted to ask you, do you think that that's because he's just in denial? That he's afraid to accept it? Or do you think that – so again, Judy says that most adults can't yeah. believe in magic. And, that, like, and that's – Not that they don't or they won't. They can't. And, and that's so, what I'm saying is like when, – When Scott's brought back to the real world, do you think that's just his adult brain taking over again and forcing the belief in magic out of him? Or do you think he is like actually in denial? Well, both. I mean, I think he is easily in denial, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's not it's not really denial because I think he does think he's mad. I think he thinks he's crazy mm-hmm. for having this experience and doesn't understand where it came from and doesn't understand how his kid knows, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I think he goes back to the real world and he's like, okay, that was a crazy dream, you know? And, it's, and it is Charlie who won't let it die, mm-hmm. which is interesting because it's like, maybe it would have died. Mm-hmm. Well, if- no, I mean, Lee, Lee, he's legally contracted to become well, Santa Claus. So, I mean, it would have happened. Yeah, regardless. Yeah. But, but, but again, but, he doesn't start believing until Charlie show once again, shows him the way. Bro, that's what I'm later. saying though. It's like, like maybe the contract would not like, maybe he has to believe in the contract. Right. Like we don't know. There's no. There's we don't no, know. We don't know. But like Charlie is the one that won't let him not believe. Like his right. kid is the one that keep. And like I think that's very reflective of how grownups reconnect with their inner. I child. was just gonna say the same thing. I you know I people a lot of people say I'm very childlike. I have a, a naivety about me and a and a, a young spirit. Yeah, and I, I and yeah, I, I attribute a whole lot of that to the fact that I've worked with young children for ten years. You know, they they you see when you start seeing things through their eyes, it's really hard not to like view the world and or at least experience the world in a much younger way when you're just a, yeah. when you're constantly empathizing and literally trying to see the world for 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 most of your day, six days a week, you're trying to see the world through their eyes. You can't not then leave your job and have that not cross over. Yeah. Um, yeah. And parents will say the same thing. A lot of parents will be like, this is how I used to look at things until I had a kid. And now I look at things completely differently. Um, yeah. Because the, when you start experiencing things through a child's, child's lens, it changes the way you think about things. Yeah. Um, I think it's just natu- natural in that way. So I, you're right. It's it's his son that that brings it to him. Um, speaking of his son, I do want to bring this up because I think it's funny <laughs> um, the implications of this movie sometimes. So something this movie doesn't do, ex- in my opinion, extremely well is really express the amount of time that's passing between through this movie. So yeah. they go to the North Pole on Christmas Day. Or Christmas Eve, but you know they're there on Christmas. Yeah, and then the rest of the movie takes place over almost an entire year. 
all the way because yeah. he's supposed to report back at Thanksgiving. And this process of him turning into Santa is over the whole entire year. He's getting closer and closer to being Santa. Um, and I don't think the movie does a very good job in explain in like displaying how much time is passing from 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 Christmas to Christmas. Yeah. Um, and so there's a point where, and this is where I I was saying like good dad I don't know. Um, so Scott Calvin, Santa Claus, is supposed to report back to the North Pole on Thanksgiving. That's when yeah. Bernard said he would need to come back. And so Thanksgiving is when is when Charlie re sh- like reignites the belief in Santa in Scott when he shows him the the crystal ball. That's Thanksgiving. Yeah. And Bernard shows up and is like, "Let's go." And Charlie's like, "Can I go?" And he's like, "Sure." <laughs> he t- takes his son from Thanksgiving till Christmas. He can't I buy it. I buy it. <laughs> he just takes his son for over no. a month. No, I mean, I think at this point he is being a good dad. I think that is a good that is still a good dad. He kidnaps his child without telling no. the parents. I mean, okay, let's take all the context and like let's take all the context. I don't know, Seth. That's that's rough. No. He, he never contacts the mom. Charlie calls the mom. He never does. Right. Tim Allen has Tim Allen has a face in that moment that I totally agree with. And it's like it's like this like side look, like, huh. Could I bring him? Like, huh. And then he, he, he his mind makes the jump and he's like, wait a minute. I'm Santa Claus. Like, I am the real deal. I am a moral authority. I'm taking my son to the North Pole. There's no question about it. Like, I totally agree. Because he is more right than, they're, than they are. Like, Charlie's going to be oh. more enriched by going to the... North Pole than by being in this toxic household where magic's not real. Well, that that's a discussion that you have with the family. I mean, I don't think in this context you do. I think in this context, they are in such horrible, toxic denial that you take your son out of this toxic situation. I'm I've not seen- saying that in any real life situation, this is good, but in this fantasy world where magic is real and Santa is real. Santa has the ultimate say of what is right and what is wrong. Yes, I understand that. But I think, see, this is my issue that, that Laura and Neil don't take much convincing once he believes that he's Santa. And once like he's got full control of his Santa powers, it doesn't take much for them to see him as Santa. Right. Like, like, it was literally like two. They just look at him and they're like, they realize it. He doesn't do anything. Yeah. And so, yeah. once he came fully into his Santadom, he could have easily been like, "Look, guys, like I can prove it to you. You can come too." You know. Yeah. He, like, he but didn't I think do at it, that point, he did not I, do it in the right way, even a yeah. little. But I think at that point he was not there. Like he had to go go to the North Pole. He had to spend time. He had to. Well, he, he could have just taken them with him. Maybe. Again, not the not the logic of this movie, but I think there is something to be said in the fact that he takes his son away for over a month without yeah, telling I mean, his parents. It's problematic. Where they are. That is problematic. It's problematic. That's but, all I mean. But it's not like, problematic like, for Santa Claus, is what I mean. No, because I think a real good Santa Claus would would do the right would do the right thing on all counts, not just not just the right thing for the child. Would do the right thing for everybody because Santa is not just about 
What's right? Santa, for kids. Santa, Santa works in mysterious ways. Every way. Santa works in mysterious ways, Ricky. I don't know? think having maybe. A, a parent, I don't think having a parent think their child is kidnapped for a month. Maybe is they needed thing ever. They needed to, you know, realize how much the kid mattered to them. You know, I don't think but, they they had that issue. <laughs> I know you're stretching here. I don't think you can convince me of this because I think that that's okay. really bad. It Again, is, the, it is the, bad. the movie, the movie, the movie is fine. I'm not saying the movie is problematic, but when you again, the movie does not do a very good job of displaying how much time is passing in between a lot of these moments. Charlie's gone for over a month. Yeah, and calls his parents on like a crag, a crackly kidnapper phone. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I I I agree that in real the real world it is problematic. In this world, I think it makes sense. Yeah. I, I totally also, something else that this isn't this isn't the original writer's fault. This is this is what happens with the the canon later. So in the second movie, oh, I don't even acknowledge the other movies. The second movie is not terrible, but anyway, in the second movie, there's a there's a Mrs. Claus that says that he has to take a wife. Within a certain oh. number of years of, wow. of – he has to find a Mrs. Claus, right? He has to have a wife. So that begs the question, um, what happened to the other Santa's wife? Yeah. I don't know. How, how long was that Santa around? And also, when he died, none of the elves were like, oh, man, that's like someone we've worked with and we've known for a – long time yeah. and, yeah, there was and no he's morning. just dead there was none they didn't even they, there was like well you just you're the guy <laughs> like 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 it, harsh but they've been around thousands of years so maybe they're just jaded which is sad to think about that the north pole yeah. is jaded um, I, I mean i i think they just know how it works right right like, and and you know so. here's the thing you know certain cultures are like death is not the end or like death is not necessarily a bad thing and like a lot of cultures don't mourn death in that in the way that we do here in like the United States. So maybe like they just don't look at death in that way. Like when you know a new when the Santa uh, you know the old Santa goes, it just is you know it's a passing. And uh, I think it, it's not. I, I don't see it as death. I think it is release. Like he has served his by yeah, design. He doesn't, he doesn't seem very sad about it. He gives a little. He's no, his little he, his little his little mitten wave. Yeah, yeah, like. I think this. I think uh, the Santa is the Santa Claus until his purpose is filled, and a new person needs to become the Santa Claus. So it's it's so in the clause itself, mm. it actually says by accident or design. Mm -hmm. So that means there is some there could be some sort of design that is uh, in place for when. That Santa Claus relinquishes his mantle. Now, let's be honest. This Santa's sloppy. He's landing on roofs all willy nilly, making bunch, a whole bunch of fucking noise, yeah, and, yeah. and slipping, falling off the roof. Like, geez, Louise guy, like get it yeah. together. He's yeah. a sloppy ass Santa. <laughs> yeah. And and here's the thing: like, if he's just that sloppy, how has he not been found out, like, seen before? Or yeah. again, once again, is that there's the whole question of like. How do parents not realize there are more gifts under the tree than what they put there, right? Yeah, that's – I mean – I mean that's always like the – That's the big one. That's yeah. the big one in in Santa – in Christmas movies is like yeah. 
it's like if you don't believe in Santa, but then suddenly like presents appear magically, what are you doing with your life? You yeah. Know? Like, how do you how do you justify that? Exactly. And yeah. I think this movie, like I said, this movie just kind of like is like it just works the way it works. And, and then yeah. with beauty being like some adults just can't they can't see magic or they can't they can't believe yeah. in magic. And so when those things happen, I think their their brain is just like, I must have got those or like, yeah. you know, Man- Mandela effect that shit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember buying that, you know, because they, they there's no way they can not believe. And so it begs the question, like, why was Scott Calvin able to see Santa, you know, in this moment, right? So we're pretty far into this. We have yeah. to put the we have to turn the mirror, yeah, in, yeah, here, Rick. Uh, so, like, for this, for you, like, what, mm-hmm. where does this movie hit you personally? Like, where does it live? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. This movie hit me in the feels the most. Um, and again, like I was saying, like I said earlier, I think there's obviously there's what this movie is about, big A about, and then what this movie f- is about to me. And it's it's a it's a family movie. It's about yeah. family specifically. It's about the way we neglect our families, right? And there are lots of ways that we do that. There's there's what Scott Calvin does, where you're just not present for that for those people. You know, he's not present for his son. He's not present for his his wife slash ex wife. There, there's emotional neglect. There's you know what Neil is doing on not not on purpose, but you know it is what he's doing. He's he has made a decision on what's going on with Charlie, and he's not he's you know as a therapist, he's not listening to the kid. Right? He's not yeah. giving him what his emotional needs are. He's definitely not handling it in the right way. Not a very good therapist. He's projecting his own childhood trauma on Exactly, exactly. Not a very good therapist. He's projecting his own his own yeah. hang ups, you know? His jaded. Real quick real quick tangent. Uh I, I did you think about why they didn't get their gift? I see, I had this thought. I had this thought. Because, like, again, I, this is one of those arguments. It's like, oh well, Santa yeah. knows everything and Santa sees all, you know, he sees everything, he's all knowing. How come he, they didn't get those gifts? They were too young for those gifts. He's three year olds too young for a weenie whistle. Get choked. That kid would choke on that weenie whistle. It's tiny. It is little. What about the mystery date? She eight? She was ten. She was ten, and this is a this is a game for teenagers, teenage girls. She was way too young to be thinking about boys. At maybe maybe that's the reason, but I, I don't I don't know. Um, yeah. Okay. My th- sorry, my theory yeah. is also like, you know, maybe Santa doesn't know every single thing. You know, like. I think he does, and I think I think he knows what. I don't best. know if he knows. I think the magic knows. You I know what I mean? He knows like what's when best. It, when Santa reaches into the bag, does yeah. he know what he's pulling out, or does the bag just produce what it's supposed to be there? I don't know. Chicken. And That's egg, what I'm saying. Right? We don't know. I we don't know. I don't think. And I said I think this movie is really good about being just like, well, it just is what it is, and like you <laughs> just have to believe that it's the magic. The magic does it the way it's supposed to, and uh, that's all you gotta. So. Going back to yeah, this is how about how you neglect your family, and for me, it it was really weird watching this movie when I got had just gotten back from my vacation from my time with my family, because like I was saying, I got to spend a lot of time with my brother, and I don't get to see him very much. You know, he's 
He's going to still going to school uh, in college. He's still in college um, in the Midwest, and I'm here. And like we've tried to like over the years, like be like more communicate with each other more and like text each other or call each other more, but it's tough. You know, two, there's a two hour difference. He's in school and he's a college athlete. So he's all, you know, constantly working out. And also he's a college kid. You know, they, they don't want to sit yeah. on the phone with their brother for a cup for an hour, just talking, you know, that's what me and my sister do because, you know, we we're both out of college. We're adults. Now we have, you know, we want to stay in contact with each other. So we will spend an hour, you know, talking to each other just to catch up several times a week. My brother's not at, at that place yet in his life yeah. where he's ready for that. And so it's tough for me to, I want to be as close to him as I am with my sister. I would like to, but it's it's way harder. It's just way harder. And so coming back from spending a whole week there where I spent a lot of time, he picked me up from the airport, you know, and then we we went out to dinner. Uh, he took me to lunch right after picking up from the airport. It was with his girlfriend and first time I'd met her ever. And cool. got to just spend time with him and his <laughs> girlfriend and, you know, and then spent the whole week. Like he was home. I was home. I wasn't going anywhere. He wasn't going anywhere. We spent a lot of time together, um, and it was really nice. And then to come back to LA and know that I'm not going to probably talk to him for quite some time, probably until Christmas. Yeah. I might try and text him, or I might try and call him, but there's no guarantee. Um, and so, it like there was a pang in my heart of being like, I feel like I'm neglecting this relationship, even though I might be trying. I feel like this relationship is being neglected because it was so nice to see him and to interact with him and talk with him for a whole week, only to know that that's that's gonna go away. That's gone now. You know, it only yeah. happens when we're in the same room with each other. It's really hard to reproduce it afterwards. It's a great paradox because it's like you know that this person is important. Mm-hmm. But then life happens and it you can't interact like you want to. But you know that that's actually what is important in life is these mm-hmm. interactions with these people. And and you know what's, what's even crazier? So like while I was home, I noticed I was neglecting people here and in other parts of my life because I was with my family. I, you know, I, I want to apologize to you. You texted me on Thanksgiving. Oh, I know that Thanksgiving's like your big, your big. Yeah. I didn't respond because I was just so engaged, engaged with my, with my family. Yeah. And so I want to apologize to you because I, uh, even like when I got home, I was like, oh, I completely forgot to to text Seth back. And I happened to a few people, a few people messaged me while I was there and I forgot, forgot to to contact them um, because I was just so, like I said, I'm so, I was so engaged with these people that that I don't get to see very much. And so like. I felt super guilty and this movie I think just hit me at the right time where I felt guilty because I is either neglect I'm either neglecting one side of my my life or the other. Like I, I I struggle when I'm in different modes to to engage with both if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Um and so so, that's, so I felt like a lot like Scott Calvin in this movie where I was like I feel like I'm struggling to 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 not neglect people in my life. Um, not on purpose. Like, cause like we see when Scott's with Charlie, he wants to be with Charlie. You know, he loves Charlie. He cares yeah. about Charlie, but he, when the other parts of his life are calling to him, he just, it, it, it pulls him so far away, you know? Yeah. And what's nice about the Santa thing is the Santa pulls him closer instead of away. 
Yeah. But then again, he starts neglecting other things. He starts neglecting his other jobs. Are those, his other but that's not. I think. I think what we learned there is like that's not important. Those aren't important. Yeah, those aren't important. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I think this movie really like gets into who who were like like we just said. Who are you choosing to neglect for, in in and favor what, of what? And and what's well, important in others as well as yourself. Mm-hmm. Like. What are you choosing to neglect in yourself? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what uh, where I connect with this movie the most. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I definitely like understand where you're coming from too. I mean, I just got back from a funeral, and I it was basically a college reunion, and I love those people so much, and it's just like I don't ever get to talk to them, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think where I land in this like where it really hits me is like the parts of ourselves that don't seem rational, the parts of ourselves that we don't understand are parts that you should probably like indulge in more because you're neglecting a huge part of who you are, you know? Um, For me, like this recent potential, you know, diagnosis I've received this uh, high functioning autism diagnosis has been a it's been very odd uh, because it's challenging me to express myself uh, irrationally right and I have used logic and rationality um, as a defense mechanism right like I've become a very very logical rational person but it's in response to my emotional insights um, and and so I'm trying to figure out how to just like move through the world in an emotional way as opposed to a, a logical way. And so like, I guess this apply, uh, this comes from the, the like self-growth, like change element, you know, like I have this new lens that I can try to grow from, like put over my life and like see how I can grow from it. Um, and it's weird because like I tried to tell some of these people at the funeral, like what I was going through and, uh, and I got a lot of different responses, some even like negative, you know, like there's no way, like there's no way you could be this thing, you know? And, and like, I mean, it honestly makes me doubt too. I I mean, it's like, there's no way you're Santa Claus, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like it makes me doubt too. Uh, because like I am very socially adept, mm-hmm. uh, but it's it's strange because the reason I am is like, and and what makes it kind of a unique I think an atypical diagnosis is that I have made my like focus like autistic hyper focus social and human behavior, so like. I mean, you know that I can be a little off-putting sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. but like, I also am very, very like keen on how people behave and react because I've spent my entire life essentially analyzing mm-hmm. how other people behave. And so it's like, when you tell somebody that I, when I, when I, now, now when I tell people that they're like, but you don't show any of the symptoms and I'm like, no, 
I do. You just don't see it. I was some. Uh, let me say this: I'm not an expert by any means. Yeah. Uh, I'm not. You know, I don't. I don't want to claim that I am. I think a lot of people don't understand what being on the spectrum, like what the the actual span of the spectrum. So again, I've worked with children, young children for 10 years. Um, I can tell you that I've worked with quite a few children on the spectrum and you can, it always manifests differently. Like the way, the way each child goes through it is different. Yeah. And we, the way, so I think people are thinking of very specific things when they think yeah. of being on the spectrum. I, I've come to be able to sense it, even though children ex- express it differently. Yeah. Um, I'm not always like right, but there's there have been moments where like I can think of one recently where, you know, we've had this kid coming to our class for a while, and all of us teachers are like, I think he this child may be on the spectrum. Like we can't say anything because again we're not experts. We're just, just a feeling that we have for, yeah. from working with this child, and so it's like, so we you know in that feeling we try we just try and figure out how to work with him, and then eventually you know, usually parents will will take their children to get diagnosed at at a certain point, and lo and behold, that child's on the spectrum. It's like yeah yeah we we felt like that was probably true. So now that we know. You know, um, you can get support that you guys needed at home. You guys can get other support. And we can, you know, now that we know that for sure, we can also then change the way we, we do things with him in class, you know? Yeah. Um, it's just a feeling. Every child's different. And that's, what's crazy is that child, very social. Very social. Yeah, he's, yeah that was me. He's super, was hyper, duper social. Hyper he's hyper social. He, yeah. he he's, loves his friends. He talks about how much he loves his friends all the time. You know, he's, he's very smart. He's, he's, you know, but there are, there's things that he does where it's like, there's an awareness sometimes that he doesn't have. Yeah. And I think people think that like people who are autistic are super antisocial and, you know, cause some of them are, some, yeah. some of them are very antisocial and, and socially awkward. Um, yeah. but it's, it's sometimes it's not that sometimes it's just a lack of awareness of what you're, of what you're doing. And a lack of awareness in how you're behaving. And it's, um, a, it's an inability to change your thought mm-hmm. patterns. Exactly. Exactly. And so and so I think people have very specific views of what that is. Yeah. Again, and same with like, you know, like you said, you compare it to being Santa Claus a little bit in this movie. It's like people have very specific views of what Santa is or is yeah. not. Yeah. Santa is not real. Santa behaves in this way. And as soon as someone's like, actually, maybe it's like this. Yeah. No. The best the best way for me to describe my like experience is that I am a very emotional human being that's learned to put on masks to figure out how to behave in society. Mm. And so what it prevents me from is being completely and totally authentic moment to moment. Mm. And I'm like a I can be a social robot if I need to, you know. Mm. But it's not true. It's not a true reflection of my internal life, mm-hmm. you know. And I think, and what I'm trying, and so what I'm trying to do is learn how to express that internal life more truthfully, mm. like being willing to make that weird abstract reference to 
a window pane from my dreams, mm-hmm. you know, like that's just like a tiny little window uh, into my experience. And, and, you know, it's, it's not easy is because it's like, I have almost, I've created this Stockholm syndrome for myself of a personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so like navigating how to grow in that way. I don't know. I don't know totally how, like, that's where I'm at mm-hmm. is I don't know how to like grow as a person with this new knowledge, but I think this new knowledge is going to like be a catalyst for growth. Mm-hmm. And you and I connect in that way a whole bunch of like this idea of like being locked into a way of being. Yeah. Right. And, you know, like you said, a Stockholm syndrome of personality. I, you, you challenge me on this all the time the way I, I interact with the world and I behave and the way I, especially socially, the way I behave socially, you know, parts of me thinks I like the person that I am, you know, or I like the, the, the way I, I go through the world, but you're like, sometimes it makes things very difficult. You know, people, people will challenge you on the way you're doing a thing or the way you're viewing a thing. Why don't you just do it like this? You know, the, my whole family, when I was home, I was talking to them about this work situation. And they're like, why don't you just do this? Why don't you just say, screw you. I only work, I'm only going to work two Sundays a month now, you know, or I'm only available for this. And I'm like, yeah, sure. That's the logical way of handling things. Just putting out a boundary. Right. Yeah. I don't function that way, guys. Yeah. I can't function that way. And so like it's I get that that's emotionally painful for you. Yes. And so like but like that's like that makes my life harder cuz now I'm I sacrifice more of myself to help out others when maybe I should be putting up more boundaries. You know? Yeah. But like do I like the and I even told said this to my sister I was like there's a there's a part of me deep down that likes being the go-to guy. That likes being depended on. That likes martyring myself but it has to be on my own terms you know i will martyr myself i will do somebody a favor it makes me feel good to do somebody a favor but it has to be when i want to do it you know when i'm being forced to do something and nobody else is is helping then it upsets me because then it's i'm being i'm being taken advantage of you know and that's that and that makes me upset and so it's like well you're setting a precedence by being the go-to person it's like yeah but that doesn't like I would like it to where I'm respected as that person and can like people don't take advantage of it, but that's just not how people are, you know? And so like, again, I, I like the fact that I, that I like to be depended on, you know, I think that's something more people should, should want to help out more, you know, more people should be more like me and like, they should want to help more, you know, I like that about myself or do I, or do I is the question. Do I like being Santa or do I hate being Santa? Well, I think that's like... It's a lot of pressure. I don't think we're meant to be a one thing. Mm-hmm. You know? like, And that's something I'm really trying to like accept. Is I think that we have this desire to put ourselves into a statue of limitations on our existence and i think that's not how it actually is and should be like Mm -hmm. 
is actually meant to be fluid. It's meant you are not you, you are only what you are. So it's like Ricky is not an actor. Ricky is not, you know, a writer. Like you can be and you have been and maybe you will be those things, but you're also Ricky. And Ricky mm-hmm. is not Ricky is like I said, I you know, I don't know why, but David S. Pumpkins just been hitting me hard lately. Like I am my own I'm thing. My own thing. I am my own thing, you know? And uh and that's I think that's uh it's easy. I mean, it's not easy. I like the idea. It's not easy to um, completely accept because that's not how society works. That's not what we've created. You know, society wants you to put yourself in and define you. Like you got to be married with two kids by 40 and you got to have a job where you're making this much money and a house and, you know, and you know you you have a cocktail with dinner on the weekends you know but mm-hmm. never not any more or less and you know like and you 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 go on two vacations a year like, like like society wants you to fit into this thing that's just like not a thing mm-hmm. like it takes so much work to be that thing and it's not how everybody's brain work brain works you know it's not so uh, what I'm trying to do is show myself more kindness, mm. you know, like give myself permission to have the emotional life that I, I hide, you know, and express that emotional life. Um, cause it's weird, but that, that's the problem is like, it's like, I'm afraid of how it will be received. So I'm, I'm trying to like really learn how to like not give a shit as much about what people think of me, which is, mm. I think both of us have a, uh, our work cut out for us in that regard. No, I don't care at all. <laughs> not me. Yeah, Just kidding. We, I we, care deeply. Yeah. So we both want to be ourselves, but we also want to be cool, which is not a, uh, those two things are, are definitely a, are, are they clash? Yeah. I had a, just a, before we, it's so true. It's being cool. Um, I had a funny moment, uh, before just wrap up real quick here, um, when I went home. So my, my brother picked me up from the airport with his girlfriend. Um, and his girlfriend also went to the same high school as both of us. She's a year younger than him. Um, but we all went to the same high school and we all f- are from the same town. She works, I guess, with some people or at least around a bunch of people I went to high school with, some old friends of mine. <laughs> and so, again, I'd never met my brother's girlfriend before. Uh, so this was my very first time meeting her. Yeah. And we had just you know, gotten to know each other over like lunch and stuff like that. So like, you know, we had built up at least a, like a, a, a cordial, friendly rapport. rapport. Uh, and she's like, I heard a story about you. And I was like, what? Uh-oh. Like, I, she's like, I heard a story about you from high school. And I was like, oh, uh-oh. I was like, there can't be a lot of those. Because <laughs> I, I didn't do a whole lot in high school. So I was like, oh, okay. And she just said, an old friend of mine uh, mentioned that I threw some rager parties when I was in high school, which is true. I did throw some big parties. And it's so funny because that was, gosh, when – 
that had to be 13 years ago that I threw these parties. Wow. And again, I threw so it was it was it was like um I want to say it was Christmas break. Yeah, it was Christmas break. Um so we were off of school. My parents were out of town with my brother um in Vegas. So I was I was home alone. My sister was in college. I had the house to myself. I threw two parties in the span of two days. Wow. And again, I didn't go out. I was a junior in high school. I did not go out and party. So like the fact that like I was throwing a party. That's a was, big risk. Was a That's big a deal. Big risk. Yeah. It's a big deal. And my you my house, my my house, it's pretty nice. It's a pretty nice house. Um my, we have a lot of expensive things. I mean, you know, my dad's a musician, so we have like lots of expensive guitars and instruments and amps and all kinds of things in and around the house. So like it is a risk. And my grandma lived with us at the time. She she lived in our basement, our finished basement, and had like her own kitchen. So you're not going to get away with it. Well, you, I told her get... I had friends coming yeah. over. I, so I told my grandma I had friends coming over. So she was like, okay. She was great. I love that woman. <laughs> uh, so I had people over. It was like 50 plus people. Yikes, bro. Crazy. <laughs> and what's crazy is like I was like, okay, I was like, I need to be really protective of this house. So I had a sign on the door that said like, leave your leave your shoes in the garage. Don't bring your shoes in the house, obviously, like, you know, for the carbon stuff. And, like, if you're going to drink, like, just stay the night and leave in the morning, right? Like, leave your keys yeah. in this, like, little bowl that I put out there. And you know what? With the exception of maybe a few people, everybody listened. I also had a, a sign that said, don't go downstairs. That's my, my grandma's down there. I told her I had people over, but, like, just leave her alone, you know? Yeah. And you know what, man? Like, people listened. Because, like, it was so rare that I would – be doing anything like this that people were like we should definitely respect respect ricky's house well having a grandmother <laughs> in the basement helps a lot i think yeah like you not know? getting out of control because there's like a adult yeah. there there's like yeah. a foundation of maternal don't go crazy yeah yeah so, yeah so then we have one night of party we wake up the next morning have a second night of parties at my place it's like wow. two parties back to back of like 50 plus people so like they were pretty big parties and they were very fun um, I didn't drink during them, but like everybody else drank and it was fun. I had a blast. It was cool. I, like I said, I didn't go out to parties cause I didn't drink. So like yeah. being the host, I was, I was a center of attention for a lot of people. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was yeah. very fun. I had a blast. Um, I did end up getting caught because somebody broke the rules, went downstairs and drank and didn't throw their beer cans away. I know who it is. Idiot. I'm saying someone cause I'm not going to call them out. I know who it Idiot. was. And they, they put it in my mom's desk drawer, the can. And so my, my mom found it. Anyway, so – but apparently I have this reputation of being like this big rager thrower. <laughs> I awesome. two parties ever. And like people were talking about them 13 years later, which I think is very funny. So That's like awesome. I'm like, was I cool? <laughs> was I cool for that, for that moment? Am I like the guy that threw the best like parties in, during high school? weird because <laughs> i don't talk awesome. to those people at all like i don't talk to people from my hometown like ever so yeah. like i had no idea people were still talking about these these parties that i threw um you were but apparently but apparently as this one person said and told my my brother's girlfriend they were they, they were crazy awesome huge parties that's awesome <laughs> they were wild apparently <laughs> so i was like i was like huh <laughs> yeah it's weird it's weird what people remember you for 
Mm-hmm. So I just yeah. thought that was interesting about like, you know, trying to be cool and like I did once. And I guess it yeah. worked. <laughs> yeah. I gotta put myself out there yeah. more. You should. <laughs> but anyway, I th- I think that's a that's a fine place to wrap up our discussion of the Santa Claus. Uh, if you guys would like to watch Santa Claus, or I don't know why you're listening to this part without having watched it yet, but you know, go watch it. It's fun. It's a fun little movie. Um, it's time to talk about what's next for, yeah. again, this entire month we're doing just holiday movies. This is our Jingle Bell Watch month. Uh, so it's my turn to pick a holiday film. Uh, and I, like you say, there's so many good stuff. Like there's so much good holiday films out there. There's, there's, it's a wonderful life. If we want to go classic there, you know, miracle on 34th street, there's yep. a Christmas story. If we want to go more modern classic, there's like elf, yeah. uh, and the Grinch and yeah. things like that home alone. Um, so I, 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 there's so many movies to pick from. I didn't know, I didn't know where to go. So, I'm going to go – I'm going to – so I decided to go for a movie. It's a Christmas movie um, and maybe just one that's off the beaten path a little bit. Okay. Um, so for next episode, we are going to be talking about Die Hard. I knew it. I knew that's what you were going to pick. <laughs> I 100% knew that's what you were going to pick. <laughs> we're going to be I watching like, night- 1998 Die Hard. Like yesterday, I was like, Ricky's going to pick Die Hard. He's totally going to pick Die Hard. <laughs> well, I re- I was going to pick Home Alone because, like I said, that's my favorite Christmas movie. I yeah. love Home Alone. But I was like, but that's a little bit too close to, to the Santa Claus. Like it's a kid's movie, a kid's Christmas movie. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, ah, totally. I just I would like to change it up a little bit. Um, I don't know if I wanted to do a classic film this early in the month, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I think maybe one of those classic ones could be closer to the day. So I was like, ah, oh, you know what? Let's go, let's go off the beaten path a little bit here. So yeah, we're gonna be doing Die Hard. I've um, never seen it. I've never, you've never seen, seen Die Hard. Die Hard. Okay, so I'm stoked. So I'm, I'm stoked. super glad that I'm super glad I picked Die Hard. So yes, if you guys want to watch seen Die Hard, clips. I've seen clips, but I've of never course. actually watched. Of course, how could watched. you not? Yeah. Uh, yes. So if you guys are gonna watch Die Hard along with us, you can find Die Hard uh, on YouTube, on Hulu, on Roku, on Philo. Uh, uh, if you have a premium subscription, you can get it on Stars and Sling TV and Amazon Prime with a subscription, or you can rent it on Apple TV, Google Play, Redbox, or Vudu uh, for a rental fee of it looks like about three ninety nine. So if you're watching along with us, that's where you can find Die Hard. It's one of the most famous, popular movies of all time. So trust me, you can find it somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> so Seth. That brings us to the end of our episode today. Why don't you go ahead and uh, shout yourself out, my man? Yeah, uh, real quick. Uh, I just want to say I think we, I think we're gonna, our demographic, I think is growing, and I think we're tapping into a new demographic. Like I think Gen Z people might really dig our stuff. You know what's funny? Uh, so like, you don't have, you don't have a, a a way to like look at what our like numbers are. I so yeah. do you? No. No, I don't okay, think so. so I I see it because I I I obviously run the run the the behind the scenes stuff. Um, we do skew our age and a little younger. Um, okay. So like because like we're you know my brother's like the border of 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 millennial. He's born yeah. in ninety nine. Um, 
So we skew our age and then around his age. So that like span. We have a few yeah. older, but like mostly it's like our age and younger. So yeah, yeah. we do skew younger. But what's funny is we actually – most of our audience, not an overwhelming majority, but like you know, a majority, female listeners. Oh, cool. Yeah, which surprises me. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Um, yeah. But I, so, I, I got to hang out with some Gen Z kids this, this week, and, uh, and it was really cool to hang out with them because I had not really hung out with anybody that age. Mm. Um, and – they were really interested in what we're doing. So, well, tell them to, to, to listen. Yeah, they're uh, some. They followed me immediately. They followed me. Good. Oh man. Hopefully, we our numbers so, have been slipping. I'll say that. So, like, let's hope. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Well, right. I'll shout myself out real quick. Uh, you can yeah. find me at the Birdie Word on Twitter. That's T H E B I R D Y W O R D. And Seth Adam Crow on Instagram. That's S E T H A D A M C R O W E. And you can always go to SethCrow.com. That's S E T H C R O W E. You know, I got a lot of content on there. Uh, so check it out. Awesome. And I am Ricardo Blade Diaz. You can find me at Ricardo Blade Diaz. That's my full name on TikTok and Instagram. Uh, and you can find us here at the What's About Film podcast. Uh, on Twitter at WeaPodWhat, that's W-I-A PodWhat. On Instagram at What's It About Podcast, and at TikTok at What's It About Pod. Uh, so we're we don't have a lot of stuff up on those things yet, but we're hoping to start putting out more content as time goes on. So thank you all so much for listening. You can catch new episodes of the podcast every Friday morning uh, on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and in other places you get your podcast needs. Uh, thank you so much, Seth, for being here today. Thank you all out there for listening. We will talk to you again next time. Bye. Adios.